Father, what a fantastic reminder in the face of sickness, in the face of despair, in the face of uncertainty. May we be reminded of your faithfulness, of your goodness, of your kindness. God, even in our darkest spots, that is where you shine the brightest. Lord, may we rest in your presence this morning. May we rest in knowing that you have it no matter what the outcome. We can trust that you know best and that your faithfulness will continue to be just that. May we be faithful in our trust and in our faith in your goodness. Thank you for what you have in store for us this morning. May you remove all of our distractions, all of our worries and fears, and may we hear from you today. In Jesus' name, amen. You may have a seat. So glad that you are here. Are you glad to be here? Good, good. It is a good place to be. We are going to continue our story of Jesus, and I know I told you that we were going to get out of the book of Matthew I may have fibbed a little. We're going to stay in the book of Matthew, but we're going to go all the way back to the beginning. And what we decided to do in our sermon prep on Monday is we're just going to start the book of Matthew over. And we're just, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> and we're going to finish up the Christmas story in a couple of weeks. Uh, and then you're going to have some special speakers come in and fill in while I'm away. Uh, and then when I come back, we will regain some ground on Matthew to finish it up, hopefully before 2025. You know what? Whatever God wants to do, right? However long he wants to take to reveal his story to us is how long we will take. Amen? All right. So I love Christmas. You all know that. It's one of my favorite times of the year. And mainly because of Jesus, obviously. That's the Sunday school answer. But really, I really enjoy buying gifts for people. I enjoy buying gifts. I enjoy receiving gifts. When I was younger, when I was little, that's all I cared about was getting the gifts, right? When we would go to Christmas at my grandmother's house, which is where we would stay the night, we did Christmas on Christmas Eve. We opened all our gifts on Christmas Eve, and then come uh, Christmas morning, we had a few other things that were from the guy. And so that's what we did. But now when we would go to my grandmother's house, literally... Presents would be stacked and stacked and stacked. Halfway, maybe three quarters, and I'm not lying. You can ask my sister, you can ask my mom. Three quarters of the way up the wall and out from the tree would be gifts. Now, my sister and I were the only two kids in our family and the only two kids in my grandmother's family because my aunt and uncle did not have any children. And so they treated us as their own. And let me tell you, we did well at Christmas. Christmas was a wonderful time of the year. But I have grown to love buying and giving gifts more than actually receiving them. Now, don't get me wrong. I enjoy a good gift. Good gift, mind you. But I love giving gifts. And when I give gifts, Tim and I, when we were in our sermon prep, Tim brought this up because it's a great point. I spent a lot of time thinking through and agonizing over finding that right gift, especially for Sally. Not because she's hard to please, but I want it to be special. 
I want it to mean something. When I think about my children, I want to I want to get them something that I wouldn't normally get through the year and I want it to be special for them. When I buy gifts for other people, I want it to be something that comes from my heart, not just willy-nilly, here's a gift. God bless you, go on about your way. Am I the only person that does that? No, we all want that. We all want that gift to be special. And the gift that we're going to talk about today is the most specialist gift ever. It is more special than anything that you've ever received or bought or will receive or will buy because it is the gift from God. It is the only gift that matters. And it is a gift which you must accept for it to be activated. And so... Our beginning thought, we'll finish it at the end of the sermon, but our beginning thought is this. The past and the future can affect the present. Now let me help you understand that in the understanding of buying presents. When I think about buying a present, I think about what I've bought the person in the past. What they liked, what they didn't like, how they reacted, what they've talked about throughout the year. Makes sense, right? But I also think about how is this going to affect their future? How is it going to determine what they're going to do later on? How is it going to help them in their life? Is it going to make them feel guilty? Is it going to make them feel happy? Is it going to help them? Is it going to hurt them? And so every decision that we make in the present is affected by our past experiences as well as what we hope to happen or dream about or fear about in the future. And when God sent his gift, he was absolutely thinking about your past and wholeheartedly planning for your future. That's the God we serve. And that's the the greatness of this gift. That's why it's so special and so unique, but one again that must be accepted by you. I can't accept it for you. I've accepted it for myself. And I've worked with it and and allowed it to grow in my life to help me be more than I could have ever imagined. And yeah, I got a past. And those past things sometimes come up and it actually helps me make wise decisions now to where my future is protected. And the decisions that I make today, I make because I want my future to be all that God has intended it to be. So I make wise decisions now. So my past... And my future affect what I do right here, right now. Now many of you adults know what that's like. Some of you young adults aren't quite there yet. Believe it or not, there's a part of your brain that hasn't formed that helps you think things out clearly. Now that is not an excuse for you to go out and just do whatever you want. But it's a reality of things. And so you have to be more intentional in the moment to protect your future. But adults, that doesn't give us an escape goat either. We have to be very intentional in the present to watch out for our future. So this present, this right here, right now is so important. What you decide by the end of the sermon 
is going to be important. What you decide at the end of your day is going to be important. What you decide tomorrow morning will affect what you have going on for that day. And we use our past and we plan for the future because it will affect our present. Let's get into the story. Matthew chapter 1. We're going to continue. Remember last week we talked about the genealogy and the, the dark spots in Jesus' genealogy because we all have those dark spots. But we discussed the fact that our past does not have to influence or change or uh, define who we are right here, right now. And in the book of Matthew, in chapter 1, we find in verse 18 the story from Joseph's perspective. Now, I spoke on this years back, but this is such a phenomenal story. Uh, One of the slides later on talks about how special Mary is, and we celebrate Mary. This dude should be celebrated. As well. Watch what happens. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Now, let me help you understand what that means. A betrothal is kind of like an engagement, our modern day engagement, but it was way different back then. In this year long, generally, betrothal period, They were technically married, but it was not finalized until after that time, that betrothal period ended, and they came together to know each other. Not, hey, how are you? They came to know each other. Okay? Surely I don't have to explain that. Moms and dads, you can explain that to your kids later. A lot of times what would happen is... They would arrange everything between the parents, and then the son, the the, the guy, the male in this marriage, would go back home to his family's home and build onto the family house in preparation to bring his new bride home. Which, by the way, plays a lot into how we see Jesus talking about we are his bride and he will come as the bridegroom to take us back home because he's preparing a place for us. We'll throw that in extra. And so while Joseph is gone, they have not consummated the marriage. They don't know each other yet. She is found to be pregnant. That's not normal. Unless she cheated on him. In our day and age, in the way that we see things, that's the only possible way for it to happen. They didn't have all the extras that we have, like IVF and all those things now. This had to be an adulterous situation for Mary, who does not know her husband. They have not spent time together yet in that way. For her to be pregnant, she had to have had something else happen. Joseph, her husband, in verse 19. Therefore, we know that this betrothal period means that they're married, but just not married yet. But it's her husband. They are going to get married. They are going to do the rest of their lives together as husband and wife. Being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example was minded to put her away secretly. He had the option. And we're going to talk about the options that he had in just a moment because they are severe. But Joseph, because of the kindness of his heart, following Micah 6.8 of wanting to do the right thing, 
but wanting to love being kind and to walk humbly with his God, he wanted to put her away privately, meaning just go back home. Let's pretend like nothing of this has ever happened. You do your life with your family and I'm going to go on about my way. We'll call it quits. Way different than normal. And we'll talk about that in just a minute. But while he thought about these things, he's thinking about it. Like he's strongly considering. He's trying to figure out a way to separate himself from Mary, whom he very much loves, without embarrassing her, without causing her to be a spectacle in the community. But just, let's just put this away and be done. He's thinking it through. He's trying to do it well. Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, and she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So he has a vision, a dream. An angel of the Lord shows up and calls him by name, Joseph, son of David. Now, is he really the son of David? No, but he's in that lineage. And he calls him by name and says, listen, buddy, stop worrying, stop fretting. We've already figured it out for you. We just need you to move forward in it. What's happened to Mary, your wife, the one that loves you and you love her, she is still the same girl. She has not done anything wrong. What has taken place in her is from the Spirit of God. And what is growing inside of her right now is the Son of God. And Joseph, we want you to stay all the way through this with her. You stand by her side strong. And when Jesus, and when your son is born, you call him by the name of Jesus. Now, I don't know about you, but I've woken up from dreams before that seemed really real, that have changed some decisions in my life. This had to be so overwhelmingly real for Joseph that he does the following. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife, did not know her until she had brought forth her firstborn son and he called his name Jesus. He goes through with the marriage and then continues to wait to know her until the son had been born. This dude's amazing. For whatever reason, we don't know hardly anything else about Joseph from Scripture's perspective. I wish we did. Because there's something to be said about a man who will put his own wants, needs, and desires aside and submit to a holy God and face the culture that he was living in to do the right thing by the person that he loved. By the way, that is what God has done for us. He's done all that he can to secure for us a way of salvation, to be saved from our sins, to where we don't have to spend eternity in hell away from him. By sending the greatest gift ever. Knowing that the culture will reject him. Knowing that the culture will not be what it should be. But he did it anyway. He gave all that God could give, which was his son. Himself in the flesh, living out this life in front of us so that we could see how it was to be done. Let's look at a few things here. 
Joseph has a major decision to make. Agreed? His decision is, do I continue with this marriage, this betrothal period, marry, marry, and then take this child on that is not mine? Remember that, please. This is not Joseph's real son. It is his stepson, for all intents and purposes. And yet he chooses, knowing the past, the culture, knowing the future of what could take place in the present, he decides to do something different. That's huge, by the way. We all have our pasts. We all have futures. But can we somehow leverage both of those to honor God in the present? Or are you going to let your past define you and that's just who you are from here on out? Or are you just going to assume that your future is just whatever it is, I'm just going to keep living and whatever it is is what it is? It doesn't have to be that way. Not at all. So let's look at Joseph's past filter. How, how is he filtering through this process as he's thinking through? Well, as he's thinking through, the first thing that he could have done is he could have had her stoned. In certain cultures in that day and time, if the lady in that betrothal period was found to have had adultery, she could have been stoned. Killed. That doesn't sound very fun. This doesn't sound very loving. She could have her nose removed, or in some cultures, her nose and ears removed. So she, at least she gets to live. <laughs> That's awful. Horrible. Public humiliation. Out of all of those, I'd take the public humiliation. But even that, could you imagine? Every time she goes outside her home, every time she went to the well, every time she went to the market, every time she went to the synagogue, being made fun of. That's the girl. She had it all. She had a wonderful husband who was going to take care of her. Wonderful carpenter. They would have had it made. And she cheated on him. Isn't that so much like our world? They don't know the facts. They don't know the truth. But they sure can make some assumptions. By the way, that's Christians as well. And we can be the most ruthless Church family, if we're not careful. And I'm not just talking about Townsend Church, I'm talking about the global church. We need to be very careful at the assumptions that we jump to because we don't have all the facts. So Joseph's past filter plays into this. He has an important decision right here, right now. Do I continue to marry Mary? Here's what my past filter tells me that I can do. And it will absolutely affect my decision right here. Many of you have a past that you're holding on to way too tightly and allowing to define who you are in the present. We need to let that stuff go and be in the moment. Allow it to direct you in some instances. Allow God to help you to leverage it, to make the rise decisions here, but do not let it define who you are. Amen? Many of us live way too much in our past. And we're holding on to those things as crutches, as enabling um, parts of our lives that do not need to be there. 
got to let it go. What about his personal filter? His gut. You ever hear people say, what, what does your gut say? What does your heart say? I, and I would challenge you with that. Be careful with your heart. It's desperately wicked and deceitful above all things, and you can't even really trust it. That sounds awful, doesn't it? I can't even trust my own heart. No, you can't. You really cannot. But you can trust the spirit that lives within you. And so look at his personal filter. He loves her so much. This is the girl of his dreams. He's going home to build something for her potentially. He's waiting to marry this girl. And because he loves her so much and now he knows that she's pregnant, he doesn't want to cut her nose off or her ears off or or stone her or even humiliate her. He literally wants to put her away privately. Just pretend none of this ever happened. You go back home. I'll go back home because I I love you, Mary, so much. I don't want you to be embarrassed about this. wonder what would happen if we as church people could get to that point when some other believer wrongs us. But we allow our past and the world that is defining our past for us dictate what we do in those moments here in the present. Got to be careful with that. He doesn't want to embarrass her. It's not what he's looking for. He wants to restore her to her family. He's wanting giving her a second opportunity to find another man that will come along and take her as his wife. And he doesn't want her to be hurt. Could you imagine, think just for a moment, the hurt that Joseph experienced in this moment. He's doing all that he can to marry this girl and now she's pregnant. What do you think he's feeling in this moment? We talk a lot about Mary and what she kind of goes through emotionally and and trying to um, rationalize all this stuff. What about Joseph? Not only will she be humiliated, but I can't imagine the jeers from his friends and family that he's getting. Joseph, you can't marry her. Joseph, you got to be kidding me. Joseph, did you not know she was like this? Joseph, you really are seriously considering staying with... Joseph, I got rocks in my backyard, man. Let's take her back. Like, think about what he's having to endure. But his heart, his gut, what he feels in the moment, what he knows is right by God, is to do none of that. But to love her, but to put her away. That's what he's struggling with. Why? Why is he struggling with this? Why is he dealing with this? He was a just man. This is why he's struggling with this, because he knew what was right before God, and because his heart was right, he was in a good place, and he served and loved God, he wanted to do the right thing. In the scripture, we find he was kind. He was a kind man. Where's your kindness at? It's really easy for us to be kind at Christmas, because that's what we're supposed to be. But what about March and February, when it's snowy and cold and gross outside? Nobody wants to be kind then we should be kind all the time Micah 6 8 love 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 being kind tender hearted the church as a whole could use a little revival in that we got a lot of hurting people out there that we are very dismissive to very harsh with. And frankly, we just don't care about them like we should. 
But Alan, you're talking about people that live differently. They live differently. They just, they're just doing things differently. They have no right being in here. Really? Can you show me that in here? Can you show me where it says, love one another except when? Can you show me where it says, be kind to one another except when they? Church, if people that are sinful who know no better cannot experience the tendered heart of a believer, where are they going to find it at? I'm not asking you to be best friends with people that think differently than you or live differently than you. What I am asking for is for you to be tenderhearted toward them knowing that they need the Savior by the way that you have. And they will never see him unless you are tenderhearted towards them. He was upstanding. He did the right thing. He just did the right thing. He was known in his community as an upstanding citizen, as someone who just chose to do right. But I think the thing that's not stated here but is understood is that he understood grace better than anybody. He had the opportunity of a lifetime to embarrass the fool out of Mary. But he understood grace. He knew Mary and something had to be wrong. Something had to be off for her to be pregnant at this point in time. And so he was graceful in the way that he dealt with her. Maybe we as believers should learn how to give the benefit of the doubt as well and show some grace to people that we don't really know what's going on. Have you ever been in a spot where your past tells you one thing, your gut tells you something else, and only the assumptions of what the future holds just fills your mind? Y'all ever been in that spot? Raise your hand, come on. Anybody? Anybody? Where your past is saying, no, you got to do this. And your gut's saying, well, I don't really want to do that because I really feel this. But now you're thinking about, well, if I do this, this is going to happen. If I do that, that's going to happen. And this is going to play into this and it's going to affect that. Y'all ever do that? It will drive you nuts. It will drive you crazy. Which is why it's so important that we accept the great gift of God to allow His Spirit to live within us to help direct us through our past and quiet the voices of the assumptions of the future to where we can be present in the moment and make the right choices. God intervenes while Joseph was where he needed to be. And where did Joseph need to be? He was looking for guidance as to what to do. So many times in this present moment when we have a decision to make, we think back to our past really quick and we make a snap decision. Or in the present, we think about this is how it's going to play out and we make a rash decision based on how we think it's going to play out. Rarely do we pause and say, God, here's how I'm thinking it has played out or has directed me based on my past experience. Here's what I think it might play out because of my future assumptions. But Father, you know my past, you know my present, and you know my heart right here, right now. Could you help a brother out? But that takes too long. We are so impatient. We live in a society that says, i got to have it right now. Really? Why? Why right now? Why can't we take a breath? Why can't we just pause? Why can't we take a step back? 
What in the world has informed us that we have to make decisions right now? Well, let me tell you what it is. The enemy. Because if the enemy can distract you and get you to make rash decisions without making informed decisions, he's got you. And Joseph, in this moment, is not making a rash decision. He's thinking it all through, and God shows up because Joseph is remembering his past. He's thinking about how this could play out in the future, and he is stuck with this decision, and God shows up. God offers an explanation. He says, here's what's going to happen, Joseph. Mary is carrying the greatest gift of all. Now, this comes with a little bit of a caveat because most of us will think, okay, well, if I take a step back, take a deep breath, spend some time with God, he's going to give me the exact answer that I'm looking for. Not always. And that presents a problem, doesn't it? Because I just spent 15 minutes telling you, spend some time with God and he'll tell you the answer. And now I'm telling you, not always. Here's one of the reasons why. Because most of the time when we're in a jam, we already know the answer we should make. We just don't want to make it. We want something else to blame rather than to take responsibility for making a decision on our own. But Alan, how do I know if I'm making the right decision or not? Listen, I can't think of anything that you have to make a decision on that you can't find some type of guidance right here. I can't think of any decision that you have to make that you can't find some type of guidance from somebody in this room. That God can use to speak to you, to help you to know what you need to do in this moment. But I can't help but think. Joseph was wrestling with this because he knows what he should do. But because of the past cultural relevance that he's living in and because of the future implications of marrying a woman who already had a child he was just stuck and that is where we find ourselves so many times we're letting our past influence our future way too much we're letting the worry of what the the um we're letting our past influence our present way too much and we're letting the assumptions of our future cause fear in our lives from making the choice that we know we should make. Can we please stop playing scared in this Christian walk? Can we please stop playing the game of, well, God hadn't told me yet, so I'm not doing it. He probably already has. You just didn't want to listen and you just didn't want to do it. Do you know how I know that? Because it's what I do all the time. There's so many times where there's a decision in front of me and I look back to say, well, the last time I did this decision, this happened. And if I do it differently, then that's going to happen. And I don't like either one, so I'm just going to stick right here until God does something spectacular. And then he reminds me, Alan, I've already addressed that right here. Quit waiting on me when you already know. So then I have to say, okay, I will do it, but you got to give me the courage and the strength and empower me and help me, because that I cannot do on my own. 
I will make this decision. I'm not happy about it. I'm not looking forward to it because I don't know what's coming and I know what's happened in the past. But God, you are directing me right here, right now. I will do it. Now you're thinking, well, you do that because you're the pastor. I've done a lot of things like that when I wasn't the pastor. And it doesn't make me better than you. It doesn't make me a spectacular Christian. It just puts me in a place of, I just know that I don't know any better. I'm dumb as a box of rocks. You guys give me way too much credit around here. But I know a God. Actually, I know the God. Who knows me better than I know myself. Who knows my circumstances better than I know my circumstances. Who knows my surroundings better than I know my surroundings. And knows the plan for my life than I do. All I can do is to be present in the moment. To leverage my past and my future to influence what I've got going right here for him. As special as Mary is, and she's special, Joseph should also be celebrated. Seriously. He could have had her killed. Now, obviously, most likely, I believe God would have intervened some special way. But Joseph made a conscious choice to accept Jesus. You ever thought about that? I had never thought about that. Until last week when Charlie brought it up. Joseph, after hearing from God, God saying, this is the way. He's my son. Mary's carrying him for him. This is on me, not anybody else, Joseph. You are in the clear. Go for it. And Joseph instinctively followed God and said, I'm choosing to honor this. Do you know you all face that same choice all the time? Ultimately, we face that choice the first time when we trust Christ as our personal Lord and Savior and we submit all that we have to him. But then every day, it's a conscious decision to live that way. I I love this passage. It says, Joseph, being aroused from sleep, he didn't go and have any conversations with anybody. He didn't go and seek out counsel or wisdom or guidance he did as the angel of the lord commanded him folks listen there are way too many times that we are sitting in this seat and we're hearing a sermon and the spirit of god is moving in your heart and he is moving and he is grooving and he is guiding you and he is making it crystal clear as to what you are to do and we do not do what joseph does we do not do what joseph does We should instinctively, when we know the Spirit of God is moving within us, immediately make a decision right where we're sitting or come to the altar and offer it up to the Lord. But as you walk out of here, you better be different than the way you came in. He took to him his wife and did not know her until she had brought forth her firstborn son and he called his name Jesus. Mary did not name her son. Joseph, who was not his rightful earthly father, named his son, which should have been named probably by a family name. But because God said his name is Jesus, Joseph says his name is Jesus. I think there's something to be said about following 
God to that extent. When God says we should love one another, we should say, I'm going to love one another. When God says that's wrong, I should say, that's wrong. When God says this is right, I should say, this is right. And that's hard for us. Do you know why it's hard for us? Because our past teaches us when we go against culture, it's not good for us. It's going to affect our future way too much. So in the present, I'm just going to do whatever, whatever feels good. Joseph decides to trust God with this gift. Counter to his culture. Does that sound familiar right now? Joseph's culture said, cut her nose off, cut her ears off, let's stone her, let's humiliate her. Joseph said, no, my God said I should marry her and take her as my wife. And so that's what I'm going to do. And this son that she is carrying is not mine, but it's God's. And we're going to call him Jesus and I'm going to treat him as my son. Counter to his culture. Now, the culture that we live in expresses many different things about how we are living and how Scripture teaches us. The question is, how are you going to live? Are you going to live based on what your culture tells you? Are you going to live based on what God tells you? Which probably will be counter to the culture that you live in. He does it in the face of the law. The law gives him free reign to take her out. It's not what it's about. It's about honoring God. And he does it by recognizing his inner turmoil. I think so many times we don't acknowledge the inner struggles enough within us. Not talking about going to a counselor. I'm just talking about having a conversation with God saying, I don't like this. I'm not okay with this. I don't understand why you're, you're making this group of people this way. Why can't we have a conversation with him? Anybody? Why not? Why can't we ask him the hard questions? You think he don't have the answers? Oh, he's going to give you the answer you probably don't want to hear. That's a lot of times why I don't go to him. Because I already know the answer. And I don't want to hear from him. Because when he tells me, then i got to do it. So if I don't ask him, he just has that unique way of telling us anyway, right? But he decides to trust God with this wonderful gift. Because of the character of Joseph, God guided him to accept the gift. Even in the face of his culture, this undoubtedly affected those around his new family. You think about that. The future, he had no idea how his parents were going to react. He had no idea how her parents were going to react. He had no idea how his his friends were going to react. He had no idea how his town was going to react. In fact, somebody reacted so bad that he had to leave and go to Egypt. That was the king. The king wanted to kill all the young males because he knew Jesus, the king of the Jews, was here. And so having Mary as his wife and Jesus as his son, automatically he had to make a quick decision based on what God told him to do once again. God offers the same guidance to you. He already knows your past filter. He knows what you're wrestling with and what you're sending all of these questions through. He knows your past filter, and he wants to help you navigate through that. He recognizes your struggle, by the way. He already knows you better than you know yourself. He knows the things that go into your mind. He knows the things that that, um, tear up your heart. He knows the things that make you sick to your stomach. He already knows what you're struggling with. He's just sitting there waiting with open arms saying, I can help you. I can help you. Come to me. Come let me walk beside you. 
By the way, he knows your culture. Culture is such a big word nowadays, right? But it's an important word. Did you know our church has a culture? Our town has a culture. Our, our state has a culture. Our nation has a culture. And there's little cultures within all those cultures. There's culture everywhere. And there's been so much emphasis put on your culture and my culture. Let me ask you a question. As believers in God, what's the only culture we really should be worried about? His culture. The culture of being a part of the family of God, which knows no color, which knows no other culture, which knows no race, knows no boundaries, knows no money levels. It does not care. He is no respecter of persons. What he sees when he sees us is Christ. And maybe we, as fellow believers, should get to that place. He offers a gift. I love gifts. And this gift's a good one. Sometimes it's a little prickly. But it's only prickly because I let it be. It's only difficult because I choose to let it be. Do you know he wants to write your future? Whatever your future looks like, you don't have to know. But you can trust the one who can write it for you. And he will help you leverage your past and quiet the future plans that you may have and help you make decisions in the present that will honor him and follow him. Therefore, he will be writing your future based on the decisions that you will make in the present. In order to affect your past and the future at the same time, you must accept the gift in the present. Right now. Today. Don't wait till tomorrow. Yesterday's already gone. And you're not guaranteed of tomorrow. Today is the day to accept this wonderful gift. That's the great part about this. God is always open. He doesn't have hours. He never sleeps and never slumbers. He never takes time off. He never takes vacations. He never pauses life to go deal with somebody else. He always has his eyes on you. And he's always knocking at that door. The question is, are you ready to open it? Are you ready to allow him to come into your life and you to submit all that you have to him? The past and the future can affect the present. But your gift from God defines it all. That is the only way to make sense of your past and it is the only way to make sense of what is to come is to accept the gift today. As the praise team come, let me ask you a couple questions. Number one, what rules your decisions? What rules your decision making? Does your past affect all of your decision making? For some of us, let's be real, it really does. It really does. We really look way too much in our past to affect the decisions that we're making now. Some of us base our decisions on the culture that we come from. Well, my challenge to you, if that is you, great. Honor your culture because you should. It's who you are. But if you are a follower of Christ, the old you has passed away and you are a new creation in him. May that be your new culture. Are you allowing your faith in God to help you with your decision making? Number two, are you trusting in God with your past? Or are you trying to fix your past? Are you trying to wade through all the stuff that happened to you in the past? Please don't do that. 
get some help. Find God, find Christ, allow the Spirit of God to help you navigate through all those things. What about your present? Are you trusting God with your present right here, right now? The decisions that you are facing, are you trusting Him with those? And what about your future? He has a great plan for your future. The question is, are you trusting it? In fact, that leads us to question number three. Have you accepted this gift? And maybe a few of you are wondering, what gift are you talking about? It's the gift of Jesus. God sees all of us and he knows the mess that we are in. And he realizes that without some type of supernatural intervention, we will all die and go to hell because of our sins, period. But God in his wonderful grace and mercy and his infinite wisdom said, you know what? I created them to have a relationship with me and that sin that they have won't work. So the past methods of getting rid of it and trying to help them along isn't working. So I'm going to fix this once and for all. I'm going to send my son. I'm going to go down myself as a human being and live on this earth as the son of God, Jesus. And I'm going to live this life perfectly and I'm going to give my life on the cross. I'm going to die I'm going to shed my blood. I'm going to be buried. But then I'm going to rise again on the third day. And what that does, when people place their faith and trust in what Christ did on the cross, it takes away all of their sins because that blood that was shed covers all of it. And because he rose again and we trust in that fact, then we can have the promise of eternal life. That's the gift. He wants to take your old life And make it new. Have you trusted in that gift today? Let me pray. God, I love you so much. And I appreciate all that you do. Thank you for your word. I pray that it would not return void. Lord, if there are anybody, anyone here, that is wrestling with that decision, trying to figure out, is today the day? Should I accept it? My past is this and I can't. Or I don't know what my future holds, so I don't want to yet. God, may they just dismiss all that. And come to you today and submit all that they have to you in thanksgiving for the gift that you have blessed them with. May you do a wonderful work and may you bless this time in Jesus' name.